Now, part two of a two-part message. The full message is available online at harvestchapeltrico.com. Now, let's listen in to part two. It is he who is talking with you. Who is the Messiah? Who is the Son of God? Who is the Son of Man? What did he do when he told him who he was? Then he said, Lord Kurios, definitely supreme in authority. I believe, I trust you, I'm committing to you completely. Then what did he do? And he worshiped him. He worshiped him. Listen, saying I believe in God is not a life where you just say it and you go on and keep worshiping the world. You keep doing what you've been doing. Worship is the word proskuneo. It means to bow down completely on your face. Has the connotation of a dog licking his master's hand because he knows where his help comes from. He worshiped him and Jesus accepted it because he's God. Notice Jesus doesn't say, get up. What are you doing worshiping me? I'm an angel. Get up, I'm just a prophet. Get up, I'm just a good man. Get up, I'm just a messenger. He receives the worship because he's God in the flesh. He allows the man to worship him. There's other places, Revelation, there's places, Daniel, and they try to worship and they say, no, don't worship me. I'm a man just like you. I'm an angel just like you. I'm a messenger just like you. Listen, Jesus allows him to worship him right there because that's his whole point. I am the light of the world. And he just took his blind eyes that were in darkness and he put clay on him. He finished him. And then he led him to himself. And then he gave him spiritual eyes to see. And he said, Kurios, I believe. And he, and he was married or betrothed to him right then. And he bows down and he worships him. And his life completely changes. 39, and Jesus said, for judgment... I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. What? See, if you think you see and you're a religious leader and you think you've got it figured out, you're going to end up blind spiritually. But if you understand that I can't see, I need some wisdom here. I need the Holy Spirit here. I need God here. I'm blind. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what it's all about. I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. That's why he came. To bring crema, to bring judgment, judicial judgment in a courtroom or those who are on trial for 78, 80 years. And what are you going to believe? What are you going to say? I don't know him. No, who is he? I believe. And then I worship. Now notice there's some Pharisees, some separated people that think they know stuff. Now listen to me. I got to be careful. In the book of Acts, we see that many of the Pharisees actually get saved. They actually come to salvation because you're never so far gone that God can't bring you in and lead you to himself. If you will humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift you up. So even the Pharisees, many of them got saved, and the enemy became the Sadducees in the book of Acts. You can go look at it. You can watch it. Many of them got saved, and at least that's the way I read it, many of the Pharisees. But here are the Pharisees who were there. They heard Jesus say these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Because they're in contention. They're arguing. They think they're okay. They think they've created a system. They've been raised up and lied to. They've been living in apostasy. 
They've created their own religion by sight and not by the Spirit. They've created their own broken cisterns that can't even hold water. And all of this stuff is going on, and the Messiah is standing before them, and they've rejected the Messiah. They've cast out somebody he just made whole, and they refuse to believe the miracle. And they said, are we blind also? And this is what Jesus' response is in 41. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. See, if you stop looking with your eyes, your sin is forgiven. You start looking at things with your heart and with the Spirit according to the Word of God, the light of God. Listen, your sins are forgiven. But now you say, this is what they say. We see, therefore your sin remains. Now listen, if you are living in your own esteem and you think you see and you think you're better and you think you don't have to humble yourself and you think you can go live in your life by yourself without Jesus and you think you're going to be okay and when you're going to get in without Jesus, without the good shepherd, without coming in some other way, he's going to go into chapter 10, remember. He's going to say there's no other way. Then you're blind. No matter how much you think you can see, you're still blind. You're still spiritually blind. Jesus is the only name by which man can be saved. Now think about this for a minute. These are the Pharisees. Now you guys remember, do you guys remember um, Saul of Tarsus? Because I want to go there now. You can turn over to Acts um, chapter 9. Remember Saul of Tarsus? We see our first picture of him in, well, Let's just go there because there's two schools. Don't go to nine. Go to chapter seven, verse 51. There's two schools of, of life to live in, believing or unbelieving. Softening your heart so you can receive the word of God, so you can see the light of God and erase your darkness, or you can be hard hearted. And if you remember, Stephen got saved. He was a table washer. He was working in the food bank and he got in an argument with some some. Uh, uh, some of the men from the freedmen and he they couldn't they couldn't understand his wisdom they couldn't debate his wisdom and so he gets arrested and he's brought before these uh, uh, same ruling authorities and he gives them this entire beautiful dissertation of the entire historicity of, of Israel just in wisdom he flows just because the spirit of God brings it out and then in 751, he says, you stiff neck and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law, of the, uh, the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Listen, he's, he's bringing this strong accusation in God's court against them, and they end up stoning him. It says in 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Something they're going to do for a long time if they didn't repent in hell. But he being full of the Holy Spirit. See this, listen to the trial, listen to the flesh and listen to how he reacts in the spirit because he's living for God. See, they're gnashing at him. They're, they're mad at him. And he's sure in truth with them and shining light in their face. And they get mad at him and gnash their teeth. And it says, here's his testimony. But he, 
it should have just skipped this, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. You have to know why he could do this. Is by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was growing in the Spirit of, uh, of God, gazed into heaven where our eyes should be fixed, and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He's seated up there, remember? Ephesians 1. So many say he stood up to receive the first martyr, Stephen. Into, the, into heaven and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And so when he says this, they couldn't receive it either. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped up their ears. I don't know what they did. They put their fingers in their ears and went, no, 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 don't say that no more. I don't know what they did. They stopped up their ears. In other words, they become hard of hearing. They wouldn't listen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He's testifying of what he sees. He's testifying of what God is doing. He's testifying of the whole nation. He's telling them that they're stiff-necked and hard-hearted. You cannot receive light. You can't receive the word of God if you stay in that condition. Do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. Listen, ask God to give you a soft heart to receive truth and let it grow, and some produce 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Don't think you've arrived. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran at him with one accord. They're all the same heart. And they cast him out also, just like we've seen in John. This is afterwards, remember. Cast him out of the city, and then they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's being trained up underneath Gamaliel. He's holding their coats, approving of their actions, of killing the first martyr of the church. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, just like Jesus did. Do not hold this against them. Look, he became like Christ. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. A euphemism for he died. And to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Look at chapter 8. Now Saul, same Saul that was holding, was consenting to his death. Coats at the feet. At that time, great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Listen, what was going on? We're living for Jesus. What is going on? Why is this damage coming? Why are they persecuting us? Listen, God allowed this because he told them to go. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But they laid up in Jerusalem and they wouldn't go. They laid up in Jerusalem and they were becoming blind and he brought persecution to make them go. He brought the trials of life to make them trust in him and to cry out to him and to pray and to go to the places to reach the lost souls. And Saul was being used to do that. 
a Pharisee of Pharisees. Why do I tell you that? Because Saul, chapter 9, I want you to see a testimony of somebody who had physically, he had eyes, but then God blinded him physically so that he could open his eyes spiritually because he was being trained. He knew the Word of God. He knew the truth, but he had been taught by false religious apostate people. But he had a heart for God. He really wanted to do the work of God. And he thought that he was stamping out the people of this way. And he was being zealous for God, but it was the wrong way. It was in his own power. It was in his own might. It was to impress people instead of to serve God in a relationship. Now watch Saul chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul. Now what's this about? He's a Benjamite. Remember Saul, the very first king of Israel, who was a Benjamite, who started off, he was, so, he was such a, a meek and mild, humble man that when they came to anoint him as king, what was he doing? He was hiding underneath some baskets. He wouldn't even come out. He wouldn't even come out. They had to go find him. The spirit said, he's over there underneath the baskets. Go get him. But by the time he became king, he began to take everything and build statues and monuments to himself. See, he's living backward. God put his spirit upon him, and he began to prophesy with the prophets that the people said, is Saul a prophet? God gave him a new heart. But he went backward. Instead of staying humble, instead of being humble, he became real proud, and God took his spirit from him. And God put an evil spirit upon him. And that's where David comes in, who is the type of Christ. And David played the leer to calm the, the spirit when Saul was freaking out. And, and Saul would get so mad at David because of who he was. And he knew that David was going to be king soon that he would chuck spears at him. And we have a picture of the devil, the Antichrist, throwing spears at Christ. And he couldn't hit him. He never could pin David to the wall. David would escape. David could have taken him out at any time. And he said, I will not lay a hand on God's anointed. God had put him in that position. If you're struggling with your boss, God put him in that position. It's not your boss you're struggling with. You're struggling with God. God's the one put him in that place. If you're struggling with your spouse, go to God. Cry out to God. Listen, Saul, this is his namesake. Later, you'll see in the second missionary journey, he changes his name to Paul when he meets Sergius Paulus. He changes his name to uh, the Roman name Paul. Still breathing threats. This is what he's breathing. Instead of breathing life of God, he's breathing threats. Instead of the breath of life being in him, it's, the, it's death culture. He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, which is the false high priest. It's Annas. It's the one that, that the Roman government has put in place and that somebody else is working through. The same way we have our government today, it's not really them. It's somebody else doing the work through them and giving the orders. We see it. We're going to see it in chapter 23 of 2 Kings on Friday night, if you want to come out. And he asks for letters. Listen, this guy is so zealous to do the work of God and doesn't know he's living death culture. He gets letters to go to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he finds anyone who is of the way, why is it the way? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one. Whether men or women, he may bring them bound to Jerusalem. He's going 150 miles. Listen, because persecution broke out, they fled, and he's going to chase them. 
This is how zealous he is to do the work of God. Watch it, watch it, watch it. This is, you're going to see perfect salvation, perfect metanoia, repentance, perfect direction change, all because of who Jesus is. Watch this. And as he journeyed, here he goes, he came near Damascus, oldest city on the planet. Listen, it's really weird. It means silent is the sackcloth weaver. That's what Damascus means. I'm like, what? What does that mean? Silent is the sackcloth weaver. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. That's what it means. It's in Syria, though. Remember, Assyria, it's in Syria. And suddenly, I changed my Bible. What happened? A light shone around him from heaven. Who's the light that come down from God? Who's the light of the world? I've made mine a capital L. A light shone around them from heaven. The light of the world. See, now Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the grave. He spent 40 days with his disciples. He ascended into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. And then these years later, Saul is attacking and persecuting. And Jesus comes again to meet him as one born out of due time, we're told over in, uh, uh, it's either Galatians or Corinthians, but Paul gives testimony of it. Look at this. A light shone around him from heaven. Verse 4. What happened then, Greg? He fell to the ground, humbled himself. He fell to the ground. He was standing on his own, and he fell to the ground. The light was so powerful. And he heard a voice saying to him, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice who it is. It's Jesus when he says, listen, listen. He said it to Abraham in chapter 22 of, of Genesis. He said, he said, Abraham, Abraham. Here he says, Saul, Saul. It's an attention getter to say it twice. Why are you persecuting me? Listen, anytime somebody's persecuting God's people, his children, God takes it personal and he will come and intervene. He will come and protect He's coming. He says, you're not persecuting them. You're persecuting me. When you see somebody being persecuted, it's because they hate God. And if you're the body of Christ, where Christ is the head, then you're persecuting Christ. If you're not living for him, you're against him. If you're scattering abroad, you're against him. If you're not gathering with him, listen, we're called to be part of the body. He says, why are you persecuting me? Now, listen, he knows his own heart, right? To a, to a degree, he knows what he's got letters for. He knows what he's doing. I, can, I actually believe, and I, I can't prove it, can't, I think he was there in the temple with the blind man. He's a Pharisee. He's being raised up. A couple years later, he's there with, with, as a Pharisee, and he sees Stephen. It's probably a year later. sees Stephen get stoned. I can't prove it. I can't say it. I think he was there. Think about this. This is a huge thing where Saul is hearing truth. He heard everything Stephen said, and he's hearing all the testimony of God, and the coats are being laid there, and he's hearing it, and it's, and it's just staying on his heart. And he really wants to do right for God, but he's listening to a system that's apostate, and he thinks he's doing good for God, but he's being lied to, and he's not listening to the Spirit of God. Now, he could have been there with the blind man is all I'm saying. And I'm getting a little excited. And he falls to the ground. He hears this voice and faith comes by hearing. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's thinking, you. And he goes, look, he asks a question. He doesn't say, forget you. He says, 
Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Kurios, supreme in authority? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You know what a goad is? King James, it says pricks, because it's a sharp stick that you stab a cattle in. And you're trying to move him in a certain direction and get him going and keep him moving forward. It's a goad. And things in life are goads to move us in a specific direction. And trials are goads to get us to cry out to God and to move in a direction towards God and to look up. Instead of following the world and its system and its religiosity and doing what they say is good, we want to know what God says is good. And he says, you're persecuting me, and it's hard for you to kick against the goads. What's he doing? He's lifting up his heel against him instead of lifting Jesus up. And he's getting stabbed in his feet. Everywhere he goes, he's kicking against the goads. He's kicking back. That's what a cow will do. When you try to goad them, they'll kick back at you. This is what he's doing. God's trying to get him to move away from religion away from self, away from his own eyes of seeing things and doing what everybody else is doing, and to begin to see with his heart and his spiritual eyes and go out and live for Jesus and trust in his spirit to be led instead of the world or physical. Instead of going down to Egypt for help and to the world, he wants him to come to him for help and truly treat him like he's Lord of all. Because see, if God isn't Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. Because if you believe He's Lord, then you have to believe He's Lord all over. He's supreme in authority. He knew it was coming. He knew what happened. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on. Verse 6, what's our response? 6 is the number of man. So He, trembling and astonished, what? Jesus, and I've been fighting against you? He's astonished. He's trembling. His fear of God is real. This Jesus that everybody said they were, he really is alive. And now he's a light from heaven. He's shining in my face. I have fallen down. The power is so strange. I'm bowed before him. Proskuneo on the ground. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little excited. It's impossible to meet the Lord of glory and not to get excited. It's impossible to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and not get a little bit excited. Now, we're all different. I'm an excitable boy, so. Six, this is him. This is the number of men. He said, Lord, kurios, what do you want me to do? Notice his heart just changed. I was doing what I wanted to do. I've got letters. I want to make a name for myself. I want to prove that I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I want to follow this religious system. And he just instantly met Jesus. Instantly, he says, I'm not doing what I want to do anymore. What do you want me to do? New king in charge. New reason for life. Metanoia. What do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, wake from your sleep, and I'll give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. No, that's what he says over to, to the rest of them after he gets up. Watch this. 
he, he says, Arise, go into the city, Damascus, and you will be told what you must do. God doesn't ever tell us everything all at once. But he revealed himself. He revealed himself. Now, at this moment, the light is so bright that Saul doesn't know that he's blind. So look at the next line, verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him, because he's got this whole entourage to arrest, stood speechless. They didn't know what to say. They heard a voice, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. See, God's opening Paul's spiritual eyes. They can hear something, but they can't make it out. You'll see this testimony in the book of Acts. Three times, I think, he gives it. He says it differently, and it, it's pretty interesting what happens because he uses the word phonics here. I used to use the, the example that I would yell down in the basement to my wife where our laundry room was, and i go, honey, and she'd be like, I can't hear you. And I'd say, yes, you can. She'd go, well, I can hear your voice, but I can't hear what you're saying. See, they heard a voice, but they couldn't make it out because it wasn't for them. It was for Saul. It was for him. It's a personal relationship. Are you having a personal relationship with God? And then you bring that relationship with the body of Christ. That's the dynamic of the one another ministry. They heard it. They didn't know. They didn't see anyone. They're blind not physically, spiritually. Now watch this, verse 8. Then Saul arose from the ground. He, he's obeying. He said, rise, go into the city. So he's obeying. All he's doing is step-by-step step obeying. This is what metanoia is. This is what repentance is. This is what turning is. The same way the blind man in chapter 9 went to the pool of Siloam, which means sent and washed, Paul is getting up and obeying because he met a new king. He met Jesus. His life is changed. He rose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Listen, he's blind. Physically blind now. But you know what's great? His heart was so soft that even while he was doing what he thought he was doing was right for God, that he was still, his heart, God knew. He saw the heart. He saw a heart for him. And he says, I'm going to go meet him. I'm going to go talk to him. He's good. This is a testimony of you getting saved, me getting saved, Saul getting saved. If you truly got saved, you met God, and you said, what do you want me to do? You don't go on living your life in yourself. You don't, and, and if you think you're saved, you're still blind if you're not living for God. This is the whole point that Jesus is making when he says, I came for judgment's sake, that those who do not see can see. And that those who think they can see, they're blind. He told them they're still in their sins because their eyes haven't been opened because they're still living for self. They're living for the world. You know, this is the outward. Here's your homework. Go read Philippians chapter 3. And Paul gives a testimony of what was going on inside of his heart. While he's on the outward, we're getting this, this, this testimony of the outward. On the inside, he said, I was this. I was Pharisee of Pharisees. I, he was being raised at the hand of Gamaliel. And he counted it all dung compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He counts it all dung. See, you can't keep looking at the world and chasing it and say you can see Jesus. 
Because there's nothing else in this world to desire once you see Jesus. This, this out here, it, it, yes, yes, be, be a good steward. Yes, go out with wisdom and, and be gentle as a dove. Yes, go out and keep living your job and be an example. But all of this is going to burn. And if you don't see that, you're still blind. And your, phys- or your spiritual eyes have not been opened. Yes, use everything God gives you to reconcile souls. But if you're still chasing this stuff, you're, you're no closer saved than, than, than what Saul was when he was trying to arrest and imprison and kill Christians. You have to soften your heart for your eyes to be open. And God will come and blind you to the things of this world. He'll blind you to the aspirations of this world. He'll blind you to all the things the world has to offer and open your eyes. To go see what he says. Now he he's going to wrestle with it. Watch this wrestling. Watch this wrestling. He's blind. He came on horses with great pomp and pride. I'm going to arrest him. And then he's led in by his hand. Somebody else's power. Somebody else's strength into Damascus. Silent is the sackcloth weaver. Listen. What's going on there? Silently the tapestry of his life is being weaved by the sackcloth weaver. By God. In trial, in pain, in suffering, he's moving toward and being conformed into the image of God. Silently, God does that. The still small voice, if we will listen and we will hear and we will obey. Verse 9, and he was, notice that that was verse 8, new beginning. And he was there, and he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So he's blind physically. But his eyes spiritually are open. Listen to me. This man who is going in great pomp, living in the whole world. I'm going to get everything. I'm going to get the most toys. I'm going to win. And Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. Have you really met Jesus? And he blinds him to the things of this world. And listen, he's wrestling. Because so you know what happens? He's fasting instantly. He knows what to do. He's saying, if this is really God, I need to know. And he starts fasting. And he doesn't have food for three days because he needs to know. Is this really God? Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. Don't believe your experience. Line it up with the word of God and the voice of God and the ways of God. He does not change. Because we're being set up for lying signs and wonders. It's coming. Not going to change the message. I'm just trying to read it to you. Verse 10, now there was a certain disciple, a disciple is a follower, a learner at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and what does he say? Here I am, Lord. See, this is why I want you to see that the Old Testament ties together with the New Testament. In the Old Testament, that's what Abraham said. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, New Testament, they get saved. Ananias, here I am. What do you say when God says something to you? Are you hearing his voice? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Are you saying, here I am, whatever you call me to do. What do you want me to do? Or are you saying, oh, I said a prayer. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I don't have to do anything else. Listen, that's not somebody that meets Jesus. 
to continue in your own strength. You, when you wake up and have spiritual eyes, you realize how weak and inept you are and, and, and how lost you were and how you were going to hell and you had no way of knowing it. And he opens your eyes and you go, wow, this is humbling. I thought I was all that and a box of chocolates. And I'm nothing. And it's all about him. So watch. Here's Ananias doing one of the things that Peter did on the not so Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to do your will in verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. I love this. <laughs> and inquire at the house of Judas. And look at the names. It's even Judas's house. For one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. What, you, what should you be doing first if you've come to, your eyes are open? Praying. He's praying and fasting. He's blind. And that's why I think, I think, man, just think if he was in the temple that day when the blind men come in and they're questioning, but he's being trained so he's not allowed to speak. We're not told in the text. Listen, don't read into text. Be very careful when you do that. But I'm just thinking that he was there. And this is such a powerful thing if he was standing there when a man born blind was blind and then his eyes are open and they're all freaking out trying to figure it out. And then he overhears maybe him saying, are we blind too? And then in his own life, the testimony of falling down and God allows him to be blinded. And then he's going to give him his sight back. I'm just saying, I don't know it to be true. But we go through things in life and then we see other people go through them and we're able to counsel them and able to walk through it easier because God prepares us for it. So to me, it lines up with who God is, but I can't tell you it happened for real. But look what Ananias says. He finds out here he is and he's praying. He tells him everything about which, by the way, praying is worship. It's oratory chapel. It's the, it's, it's, the most, it's, it's the most profound and purest way to worship God is to pray. Because you have no strength. You have no might. You have no power of your own. And all you can do is turn to God and cast your cares upon Him and trust Him. He wants us in a place of prayer. My house should be a house of prayer to all nations. Not a house of the Word, a house of prayer. The Word reveals who you're praying to. And make sure you're praying with wisdom. But praying is complete dependency upon him to change us and help us to understand what he's doing already so we can be involved in the reconciliation of souls. Verse 12. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. So God gave him this vision. And what's he going to do? He's going to come in and put his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. He's praying and fasting, and God says, don't worry. He gives him a vision. You're going to receive your sight back. This is just temporary blindness. Listen, if you're willing to give up everything and be blind to these things, God will give you back what you need. God will give you back what you need. But don't try to take hold of it like it's yours anymore. You're a steward. Everything belongs to God. When you begin to think that you own it and you get to do what you want and be what you want with your stuff, then you're back in self. You're back in blindness. Everything that we have now is God's. And we're a steward. And it's required that stewards be found faithful with God's stuff. He owns everything. 
He bought you with the blood of Jesus. So everything you own belongs to him. Use it to reconcile souls. 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, (laughs) are you sure? (laughs) Lord, I heard some rumors. (laughs) Lord, I heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Lord, I'm a little bit scared here. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. Now, you want me to walk up in the lion's den? He's arresting people. You want me to go there, Lord? Am I really hearing from you? Listen. But the Lord said to him, second witness, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Notice, before Gentiles. That became his ministry. We know that he would go to his own countrymen. He was a Jew. He was half half Jew. And his mom was a, a Gentile, I believe. Um born in Tarsus. Listen to me. God announced exactly who he was. He didn't tell Saul who he was, but he told Ananias that he was a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name, my character, my nature, my authority, my will before Gentiles, before kings. We're going to see him testify before kings. And then before the children of Israel who reject him. For I will show him, listen, this is getting hard. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Listen, through much suffering shall we enter the kingdom of God. This guy went through some stuff. And if you want to see it, you read chapter 3 of Philippians and he tells everything that he went through. He tells about what he gave up. He tells about uh, how that he doesn't want to look by sight anymore. He wants to see by the Spirit. And Ananias went. So he was told to go, took a minute, went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, those of you calling him brother now, he knows he's saved. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came. So we know that Ananias was told more by God, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just receive your sight, but when you come spiritually awake, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit comes in and begins to do the work in you to change you into the image of God. And you begin to be led by the Spirit of God. And you can have power, Acts 1.8. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. He was obedient. He went and got baptized in water, just like everybody else was that he was trying to kill. So when he had received food, now he's going to eat. He was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with his disciples at Damascus. Notice what happened. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is He, Lord, that I might believe? Arise and obey. Turn. Go the other way. He immediately changed what He was talking about. He immediately went another direction. He immediately was conformed on the inside and transformed. But He's preaching because He already had all the knowledge. He already knew the Scriptures. And God opened His blind eyes, His spiritual eyes, which are more important than anything. If your spiritual eyes are open, you're not going to keep doing what you've been doing. It's going to be the world behind me, the cross before me. It's going to be reconciliation of souls. 
Make me faithful, Lord. Teach me how to go out and follow my gifts. He's leading us to himself. Are you lifting up your heel against the Lord or are you lifting up the Lord? There's only two places to live your Christian life. Lift him high and he'll draw everyone to himself. Lift your foot up against him and you're not going to like what you reap. But he still will pursue you and he might make your eyes blind so that he can fill you with his spirit. But he's going to come and get you. It might be chastisement. But he's going to complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Surrender today. Today is the day for salvation. Father, thank you that you've led us to yourself. And the next chapter is the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd of the sheep. It's all about you. Help us to humble ourselves in your sights that you may lift us up. Lord, open our blind eyes so that we can see. Help us to have a testimony that we were once blind, but now we see. Teach us to be faithful, Lord. Show us our gifts, talents, and abilities, and send us out as witnesses in this grand courtroom for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I